Hello, Playdate. This is Nick. And boobity boop 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 and my way back into your heart, it's Ryan. This week we're covering Playdate news. Indie games of the week. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. Ryan, welcome back. Nick, thanks for having me back. <laughs> I feel like we are in very different energy levels right now. Let's get you psyched up. Are you ready for this? Ooh. Oh, I'm super psyched, as you know. <laughs> um, so Don, unfortunately, isn't with us this this episode. But this is uh, true. That'll Ryan's bring me back down. Got enough energy for both of us, so <laughs> that that works out. So uh, Ryan, I, I'm looking at the news and notes. And oh yeah, we've got like... some we've got some boobity boop 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 news and notes. And <laughs> this, this first one was added by Ryan. I'm just what? gonna. I don't know what you're talking about, but anyway, <laughs> we're talking about news and notes and we are recording on election day and i would mm. like to bring up the vote no on proposition anti-boop because there was some boop suppression while i was gone and i want to make an apology to dylan ledbetter a couple episodes ago i heard him try out a boop and i heard one of the hosts i'm not going <laughs> to name names but he's not here today i wish he was because i would then name a name but I heard boop suppression and it made me very sad because this is a safe space for all, no matter race, color, creed, orientation, boopness, whatever you are, you are welcome here in the Hello Playdate podcast. So Dylan, when you come back and return to the Hello Playdate podcast, I will ensure that this is a safe booping space. And I want to thank you to George Banks for his involuntary boop. It was so natural. It just came out. So George, <laughs> thank you for your boops in my absence. I really appreciated it. And I think and, that's it for that piece. Yeah, well, I want to say thank you to George Banks from Fat Nose Games for coming on last episode and talking about his new game, Along Came a Spider. Um, so Ryan, what is what is this third item here? Aha. Well, before we get to the third uh, news and note, I wanted to touch base on your news and note of thanks to George Banks. Uh, I listened to that entire episode. I listened to all the episodes while I was gone. And uh, it was such a pleasure listening to George from front to back of that episode. First of all, he's just so disarmingly British. And I thought, oh man, I'm never even going to be able to come back on the show now that he's been on here. But then like listening through to the end when you guys were doing some spoiler talk, um, he was such a giddy schoolboy when you guys were talking about his game. And I, it just gave me so much joy to hear his pleasure in discussing this thing that he spent hours and hours and weeks and months making with somebody who had obviously spent a good deal of time on it. So uh, George Banks, uh, you are aces in my book and welcome back anytime. Uh, thank you for coming on and filling my very small shoes in your, uh, in my absence. So uh, I can't wait to get to Along Came a Spider. I have still not played it yet. Uh, so, but I'm looking real forward to it. It's it's amazing and and yeah, um, thank you thank you George uh, for putting up with all the technical difficulties that we had last episode. It was uh, it was a storm of technical difficulties that night, but uh, <laughs> very much appreciated. 
All right. So for our third news and note, there is a fellow named Bobby Telltale Heart who created a light accessory for the Playdate so that you can play it in low light conditions. This looked like sort of a 3D printed part, but then also wired in an LED light that sort of hinges up into place. Really cool idea. Uh, he even ended this little social media video by saying, hey, Panic, if you're interested, not, I'll sell it. He was like, hey, I'll just give this to you if you're interested, Panic. So I thought that was very cool of him to yeah. uh, showcase that and put that out into the public. We will include a link to the Twitter uh, post made by him. It seemed to be a uh, TikTok repost or something to that effect. But regardless, a cool thing happened and we will have a link to that in the show notes for today's episode. Sounds good. So, Did you get a look at that, Nick? Did you have any thoughts about that light accessory? I saw an image of it. Uh, that's as far as I got. Mm, um, okay. So if it's, uh, I'm trying to load it now slowly. <laughs> this is going to make for great podcasting, which means we are done with <laughs> news and notes and on to boop, 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 indie inventory. Yes. Uh, so it loaded in. It was it was not a photo of the thing. So um, yeah, uh, indie inventory. We just pick out a few quick hit games that have released in the last fortnight and talk about those and maybe why we found them interesting. So the first game that I wanted to highlight is called Nom Nom, and it is made by the Russian Bear Game. And uh, it is very reminiscent of Montezuma's Revenge, which is a um, kind of classic bar top game that's been ported to the DS and Game Boy Advance and every platform under the sun, and now the Playdate. Uh, so if you're familiar with that game, it's like a match three, but with a interesting spiral timed element. So worth a look. Very cool. I was not familiar with this game, but now I am, thanks to you. Looks like it was a $2 price tag on that one. Yep. Yep. Um, so the next one, I just thought this was an interesting little application. It's uh, called Polygon Wanna Land uh, for Playdate. And it is actually a full album, uh, which was released to the public domain by a group called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, um, which as I understand it is like a, a jam band of some kind. But at any rate, um, the whole thing is a pretty polished package. Uh, you can scroll through the lyrics with the crank and there's an album art viewer. So you can view the one bit album artwork up close and personal. Um, just a pretty neat application. And uh, pretty cool of them to to release that uh in the public domain excellent i saw that yeah. in the list of itch titles have not downloaded nor have i pressed play on the album <laughs> <laughs> i haven't either but um it's there when we have time uh and the last one that i wanted to highlight is called grimoire and uh that's free and uh it's build as a minesweeper like game uh the 
uh, screenshots on itch don't really uh, bring that to mind, though. So, um, Ryan, I think we we were chatting briefly. You said you you did have a chance to try this one. Yeah, I did because I'm I really love Minesweeper. I think it's a fabulous game. And when I heard mm-hmm. that, I thought, oh, I got to give this a try. So I downloaded it, played it just a bit, and it is Minesweeper like. However, if you've played Minesweeper before, you know that a tile will have a number on it. And Mm -hmm. that number corresponds with the number of adjacent mines. So that can be anywhere from zero to eight mines. You know how there's uh, up, down, left, right, and then secondary cardinal directions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, This one, on the other hand, lets you know what's up, down, left, right, not diagonal, but those cards near you can have not one, but multiples. Basically, you're trying to figure out the numbers that are adjacent to you. So there could be a number two next to you and a number one above you, and then the card would read three, and you have to figure out which ones are around. So I'm used to, in my mind, understanding that each occupied space around the card I'm looking at is one. And so this orientation kind of bent my mind and I was having a difficult time strategizing. It felt like there was more options than I could reason out, but maybe Mm -hmm. that's just because I've played it for such a short time right now. Uh, Maybe some strategy will come to me as I continue playing this. But uh, anyway, that was my initial impression, only having come at it from a history of Minesweeper. Okay. Um, what did you think of the overall package? Is it is it fun? Like, do you do you see yourself going back to it, or um, do you really feel that the poll is is the Minesweeper nostalgia and and feelings there? Um, I think I would like to give this another go or three. Uh, I uh, right now I'm in that sort of liminal state where I'm in between learning it and super understanding it to the point where I feel like maybe there's some strategy there that I'm not grasping quite yet uh, or some reasoning or puzzle solving I'm not getting immediately. So I want to really try it out a few more times. I feel like it's some time. What's that? Give it some time. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Uh, so in the inventory, Ryan. All right. What do you got? Let's see here. I'm going to start things out with Hero Blast. And this is a name your price game that is billed as an arcade high score chaser. So <laughs> you shoot some bouncing balls and avoid being hit. And this was just released yesterday. So very new. Oh, I have not okay. downloaded it, nor have I played it. So I'm going to assume you have not either. Is that correct? Correct. That is correct. Then on to my next indie inventory pick. It's called D paddle versus crankette. I looked at this and, and uh, thought about putting it on here myself, but uh, (laughs) you gave it a good think. Okay. So the title treatment for this game, and I'm going to, I'm going to get all fonty on you in the absence of Don. Because uh, the title sort of highlights D-pad versus crank 
at. So it's like D-pad versus crank. And essentially this is a two player pong game for the play mm -hmm. date with D-pad controls for player one and crank controls for player two. I have pulled a nick on this one. I downloaded it and have not played it, but uh, <laughs> okay. I hope to uh, play this with my son. It sounds like a cool two-player game. I love finding two-player simultaneous games that I can play with my son. So we'll probably give this a try at some point. So maybe I can report back and let you know how it goes. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Uh, and then finally, let's see what else we got. Oh, uh, last on my list is Crank Games. This is a name your own price game, uh, as was Deep Tattle and Crankette. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. That was also a name your own price game. Um, so this is billed as two short games for the play date, uh, both primarily using the crank. And on one of the games, it names an angle between zero and 360. And you're supposed to swing your crank around to that particular angle as best you can. And then it lets you know mm -hmm. how uh, far away you were from that angle and also your best of all time. Uh, so you can kind of compare how accurate you were on not only that particular try, but of all time. And then the second game is a clock and it's not naming a time for you to go to. You're supposed to move the crank at the pace of a second's hand. So you're moving around at, you know, 60 seconds you're supposed to do one rotation um and that's that pretty would much be it. very They're, difficult <laughs> yeah two two little mini games and uh that's it for crank games nick any sounds, thoughts on crank cool. games uh yeah sounds cool um like i say that second one sounds very very difficult um but uh pretty neat yeah good yeah, so ideas for, for name your own price not too shabby yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, so Ryan, you know what this means? It means indie games of the week. We're here. Um, Ryan, Nicholas. tell me what you got. Oh, am I going first? Yeah. Okay. I'm excited about this one. This is by Oscar Braindead and it's called One Bit Jetpack. And okay. Um, basically you are a little astronaut and you are trying to assemble three parts of a ship. And once you do that, mm -hmm. then you need to fuel it up. So there's six fuel packs that you need to grab and then, uh, sort of insert into the ship. The mechanics of this are pretty interesting. You move your little, uh, jet pack guy around the screen using the D pad. Um, you can also shoot by pressing the A button and you can jump by pressing the B button. And by jump, I mean, use your jetpack in a vertical orientation. So basically up on the D pad is the same as the B button. Uh, I okay. think the B button is pretty much superfluous, but I mention all this because I'm going to get to a comment, uh, that was left on the one bit jetpack page in a moment or three here. So, uh, it says you can go through the margins of the screen, which means on the left and right side, it loops. So your character goes out the left side and comes back out the right side. Uh, the enemies cannot do that. So it's a nice way to sort of get away from your enemies if you need to. Um, the way you assemble these pieces of the ship and also the fuel packs 
is also kind of interesting. You run over the thing, it attaches to you, and then you simply hover over the base of the ship and then it drops into place. So you don't have to press anything to pick it up or to release it. Uh, it's just uh, based on your approximation to the piece. So I thought that was really interesting. And whether you're up high or down low, it still drops it if you're across that vertical line. Um, so there's a bunch of different features to this. There's six types of enemies, four types of power-ups, which I have not even mentioned yet. So you have a POW you can grab. And I think the POWs are really fantastic, actually, because they give you stuff that actually matters. Um, like you can double shoot, like instead of shooting one direction, just left or just right, it shoots out both directions, which when you have these multiple enemies is really handy. Uh, it can also give you an extra life, which is super handy. Um, it can kill everything on the screen. Also super great. And the fourth power up is to freeze everything on the screen, which buys you a little bit of breathing room. So, um, I think the power-ups were very well conceived. Uh, I think they're super useful. Um, it says that there's random platform level generation too. So there's platforms to sort of uh, hinder your uh, jetpack trips around the screen. Uh, and it's interesting to have those going on. Uh, high score saving credits to continue the game. And also it's got a number of different level difficulties. So when you start on the first mode, I think it's easy. I can't remember exactly what they're all called, but it starts with generating two enemies. And then after a certain period of time, two more enemies generate, or if you kill the two enemies, then immediately two enemies generate. Um, as you increase in the levels of difficulty, there's four different levels of dif difficulty. There's one additional enemy generation for each of those additional levels of difficulty. So the next one up is three, next four, and final is five. So the screen can get really occupied and pretty difficult <laughs> when you start ramping that difficulty up. Um, I did not find it impossible at that top level but it really does keep you moving and keep you on your toes. Uh, I, I found that in order to keep the levels going longer, I could shoot out most of the enemies, but not the last one. Because remember when you shoot out all of your enemies, then X number of enemies regenerate. If you're on the difficult mm -hmm. level, gives you five more instantly. Whereas you have a certain period of time in between enemy generation, if any enemies still are on the screen. Uh, I thought that was a, an interesting and fun way to strategize on this game. Um, yeah. And uh, really just enjoyed my time quite a bit on this. I felt like the varying levels of difficulty even gave it some longer legs than I thought it already had. Um, and I wanted to take a moment to address a comment that I saw on the itch page. So this is coming from Low Tech Games who did, uh, who developed um, Tapeworm Disco Party. So this is not coming from no one. This is coming from someone who knows what they're doing. And he said, hey, this is a light, nice level of polish, but my initial thought is that the buttons are the wrong way around. B should be shoot and A should be jump like in Mario. And I started thinking about that and played the game again after reading that. 
And I disagree, I think in a different way, because I think that B button, I think the, the jump button is largely superfluous, as I said in the beginning, because you can use the up direction on the D-pad to do the same thing. So really, I never use the B button. I never use the jump button, but I do use the A button, the fire button a lot because you need to. So I felt like having the fire button on the outer button allowed me to move my hands apart from one another a little bit more and feel a little bit more comfortable in the control holds. So um, I was a little disappointed when I read the follow-up comment from Oscar Braindead, the developer of this game. And he said, hmm, interesting. You can fly by pressing up on the D-pad, like I mentioned. In fact, I use the up direction to fly. Yep, me too. But it's a good idea. And I'll change the button assignment. And I'll put an option in the system menu to switch between them. Thanks. Yeah, so I, I think that's a great compromise. What, uh, what makes you disappointed in that? The, I guess the fact that makes me disappointed is that he's making the default the other way around, instead of keeping this button that, orientation as the default I, and allowing you to switch over. But ultimately, I guess that's a small inconvenience, but uh, I personally am not one to get into options very often. I guess that's what uh, disappointed me a little bit is that I would have to do that if I wanted to switch back to this button orientation. Ah, uh, okay. Um... Well, I mean, I think uh, Lotech has a, has a point there that that's what people are going to expect. I think uh, the um, idea of having an accessible option that allows you to switch between the developer's preferred or uh, first uh, choice for uh, control setup and then um, kind of the expected control setup, I, I think that's just a great compromise and it, it makes a lot of sense. So. Um, on on the contrary to your on the contrary, uh, <laughs> I feel like that's a that's a great great thing, and it's cool that the developers listening to uh, to feedback, especially from other developers, um, who obviously uh, play a lot of games and support the platform a lot. So um, makes sense to me. Totally. And however, I will uh, throw this huge caveat out there: I haven't played this game yet, so. Um, <laughs> That's what I was going to follow up with, essentially. So first of all, Oscar Braindead, so cool that he was on the ball uh, very quickly after this comment. In fact, responded the same day. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if there's been a change in the download file yet, because the version that I had was downloaded a couple days after the suggestion and still has that old button orientation. So ah. maybe it has not been changed yet. Uh, all that to say, I initially read this comment before playing the game and felt the same way you do. And then I played the game <laughs> and now I feel differently. So I will be interested to hear your thoughts if you do decide to download and play this game. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I think in principle, uh, you know, my my thought won't change. But as far as my feeling for which control scheme is appropriate, uh, I'll have the option, so it won't really matter. Um, and I do dive into options, so you know, that's that's on me, I guess.
but all right cool so very good showing by oscar braindead from this past week one bit mm-hmm. jetpack uh i'd highly recommend it it seems like it'd be a really fun score chaser um so maybe we'll have to add a uh sub thread yeah yeah on our hello playdate discord sounds good all right um, what are you looking at this week for indie games of the week nick ryan how do you like existential dread uh, can i not like that <laughs> everybody's favorite uh so i kind of struggled with whether or not to highlight this this game because it is it is a challenging game uh it's uh a game that makes you confront issues of mortality and uh permanence and and all those kind of things but i thought it would be good to highlight because i couldn't stop playing or thinking about it uh over the past couple weeks it's called you're gonna die (laughs) which sounds uh, fun (laughs) it sure does it is it is free um and it's on on itch of course uh you start off and you uh awaken as a robot on a charging pad and it is a pulpy adventure game uh so just my kind of thing but you quickly realize that this is a very different kind of game with a very different kind of message um there's nothing particularly um bad about or you know challenging directly about it it's a game that uh, requires a bit of thought but uh there are uh messages of futility and and all that kind of thing so uh one one of the goals within requires you to um collect a bunch of a particular item that requires going back and forth over multiple screens in order to place them and uh your robot starts to feel you know what's what's the point um so the robot is all alone and and that plays a part in everything that they do as well. So uh, they come across, for example, a scarecrow on one screen and they start talking to it. And of course the scarecrow does not answer back because it's a scarecrow. So um, that's kind of sad. Uh, there's there's all kinds of interesting and sad messages woven throughout. Uh, and the end of the game, there are multiple endings but as far as I know, the game actually, uh, this is a minor spoiler, the game never ends. So it is uh, very intriguing to me, just this particular uh, game design. So uh, anyway, I tried all kinds of stuff and just experimented like crazy to see if I could really change um what was going to happen inevitably it's in the title so um it's it's an interesting interesting game and uh i really enjoyed it in spite of the very morose (laughs) messaging and themes um so uh the developer mentioned that they had made a non-playdate version of this game previous and it was uh so depressing that they (laughs) they don't uh have many links to it on the uh 
on the web anymore. But uh, yeah, I uh, see there in the description that he said uh, that I've tried to make this game more engaging and less depressing <laughs> than the one I made before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think somewhere in the in the comments on the itch page, there is a link to the original. But uh, anyway, if if this sounds at all interesting to you and, and it definitely takes a specific mindset to want to give this a shot. But when once you're in there, I think it's it's an interesting playthrough and it's pretty short um so it's uh it's worth a look i think but it might not be for everybody so yeah and it um, looks like this came out about half a year ago um yeah this is not a recent release so you might have to uh look this up by name or just click on that link in the show notes yep yeah um so that's uh the Indie game of the week for me. And uh, with that, uh, this is like record time. I was going to say, are we done? This isn't done, is it? I, what are we going to talk we, about, Nick? <laughs> we might have run all the way through this. Uh, I, I feel quickly. like I feel like we're between a rock and a hard place. Don is going to be so disappointed, one, that the episode was so short, or two, we could always talk about ourselves. <laughs> well, we could. But... Um, you know what else we could talk about, Ryan? What's that? The play date. Hey, how about um, it? So, Ryan, out of curiosity, have you put any thought into doing any more creative work on the play date? I know you had mentioned in a in a much earlier episode that you had poked around in in pulp, um, and. I know that things are incredibly busy for you as they are for me at the moment, but I was just curious if, uh, if you'd had any more thoughts about ways that you could interface with this yellow box. Yeah. The game I was working on, I got a screen or two built in pulp and I was pretty proud of what I put together so far, but I have not done much work since talking about it several episodes ago. I've been kind of hunkered down and working on my latest book, which is on its way to me right now. Um, So I don't have any more information for you. I don't know if I will get back to it, when or if. Um, And so I don't have much to report, but I feel like this is really an opportunity for me to ask you. How are you interfacing with the Playdate, Nick? Are you working on any games? <laughs> I uh, I am. So oh. I have a I have a game that's in um, the planning phases. Um, I've reached out and I've hired a composer, uh-huh. um, and uh, have given them the scope of the project and some details about what I want, but I, I still need to finish the planning of the rest of the game in order to um, flesh out exactly what they're going to be composing. Um, how many, how many tunes duration, those kind of things. Hmm. Um, so uh, that is going well. And I'm very excited to release more information about that soon. Um, but uh, at the moment I'm working on uh Engine is the wrong word, but I'm I'm working on the the actual program itself, just a proof of concept. So I have the planning for 
the scenario and, and everything that I want to happen broadly. Uh, but um, there are a number of uh, interactables that I need to flesh out. Uh, so I'm taking kind of the liminal space between other projects and things that I'm working on and building out the programming, uh, moving things around and poking them and making them react, those kind of things. So can you tell us a little bit more about the game itself? Is it a pulpy adventure game? Is it a puzzle game? Is it uh, you know a platformer? What sort of thing are you working on? It is an adventure game. Um, it is not a pulpy adventure game. It's, uh, it's quite different in feel. Um, so you are not uh, directly controlling a character in the same way that you would be in, say, any, any of the pulp games or like uh, the game that I highlighted, you're, you're going to die. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a very different style of game and one that hasn't uh, had a direct... Uh, similar game on the play date, uh, but it has on other platforms. So um, when when I finish the, the planning and I uh, kind of firm up some of the other details, <laughs> then I'll be able to, to talk more about uh, what's involved. But, uh, but at the moment, I'm, uh, I'm working in Lua. Uh, I started the game in C and then decided to try Lua just uh, for speed of development, um, but uh, I'm 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 liking the Lua pretty okay. Uh, so a ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not huge in, into Lua. Um, I've I've only toyed around with it uh, back when I played World of Warcraft for like six months uh, a long time ago. Uh, you could write extensions to your interface in Lua, and that's about all the experience that I have with it, is just poking around in extensions and writing my own little things that did different stuff. Um, from a structural standpoint, the language is uh, it's a little uh, different than what I'm used to, uh, even with other scripting languages. So um, it just takes a little getting used to. But I will say the the SDK itself, the the framework that Panic has developed that sits over top of it uh, or underneath of it is uh, really, really nice uh, and gives you access to everything on the Playdate. Um, so the only trick with Lua is performance. Um, with C, you get much, much better performance, but the penalty is that you have to um, keep track of things in a much more nuanced way. So Lua automates some stuff for you. Um, so it's a little faster to prototype and develop with Lua than it is with C, um, even with the con conveniences of the framework. So what sort of a timeline are we looking at here? When do you think we're going to see the the Baldrigian play that game? <laughs> Uh, well, so, uh, the, the big wrench in this is that I'm, uh, about to start production on my next pinball game. And this is the most ambitious game that I've ever made. Um, and it is going to consume a tremendous amount of my time, <laughs> uh, already is. So I'm not sure 
So you better uh, hurry if, up and finish this playdate game stat. That's that's kind of. Uh, I thought I might actually have enough time to to get a huge chunk of this done, but I I have not. So I um, have I've, a feeling that was your feeling. Yeah, <laughs> when you I've said been, this in our private chat, I'm like, oh my god, Nick, you gotta be <laughs> kidding me with this. <laughs> I, yeah, I've spent a lot of time doing PR type work for the the new pinball game and that's a that's about to be announced so so that's exciting and then the the other thing is this playdate game um i am really excited to have this as kind of a bite-sized project between massive projects so developing pinball games is a huge undertaking and it requires a lot of discipline both from a time management perspective, but also from uh, a planning and coordination perspective and playtesting perspective, parts. Man- I mean, there's so much yeah. involved in making pinball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, even if you're doing just a, a, a software only uh, application that uses a different play field, which is something that you can do. Uh, it's it's just a ton of work. So on the play date, though, uh, it's so much easier because you can play test yourself. The scope of things is typically much smaller. Um, you don't have a ball bearing made of steel crashing around and smashing things that you make. Uh, so you don't have to make geometrical tweaks or anything like that. Um, it is... Uh, a breath of fresh air as far as as speed of development. So I've uh, I've already got uh, you know an interface working and things happening, and I've got my terrible graphics uh, rolling on there. But uh, it's you know it's pretty impressive uh, how quickly I was able to get that going. Yeah, that is cool. You know, you you asked me about my little foray into maybe doing something on pulp and part of me enjoyed that and part of me wants to get back to it but another part of me uh is not incredibly excited about the way in which you have to tile together images like backgrounds and various elements of the game uh mm-hmm. it's it's really clunky if you want to make some sort of larger image and uh, basically you're working with these little what is it eight by eight or 16 by 16 pixel tiles and you have to like individually draw those tiles and then put them into place rather than think about a larger composition and then okay i'm going to make this larger image by drawing like a normal person instead of like getting down to a a shower tiles worth of information for an entire showers worth of wall um, right so so that aspect of arting for the play date on pulp um was a little discouraging to me and i think i was trying to do things that pulp was not meant to do um so I don't know if I ever decide to get back to it, I might, I don't know, pester you a little bit and see if I can twist your arm into doing some, uh, some coding because that's the part that I just am not 
excited about at all. I want to do art, <laughs> but I don't know coding from anything. So, you know, maybe if you need another palette cleanser, well, we can add that to our mountain of collaborative projects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that'd be fun. And, and, um, De depending on what you want to do. So we'd have to discuss that, but uh, sure. yeah, I think uh, I think it'd be neat to have releases from my company on the Playdate as well as Pinball and um, even uh, some video stuff I have planned. So um, there's, uh, you know, no shortage of things to do, but uh, it is, very exciting to be able to put something out in the world. And I think the Playdate is um, such a neat device in that it removes so much of the extraneous um, uh, choice. That's a bad word <laughs> to use, but some, so many of the choices needed to create a compelling experience. And it, it, it helps you, drill down to just core gameplay aspects because you're not focused on which shade of red this happens to be out of you know 62 million would you like <laughs> the shade many. called black or the shade called white <laughs> right yeah so it's a uh, it's a lot easier to um to just uh work on on gameplay elements and not uh focus on how your graphics are smashing into each other all the time. Um, so from my perspective as a non-graphics person, so, <laughs> or non-art person, I should say. Um, cool. So yeah. Well, I look forward to knowing more about this when it is ready. Uh, are, are you going to be doing the graphics for this as well? Undecided. I, okay. I've done some placeholder stuff. Um, oh, I guess I, I can tease that it's related to a pinball game that I've made previously. Hmm. So it's a, it's a prequel there to a pinball game. Four of those. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Oh, more if you count those homebrews. Uh, yes. huh. Brings it up to six or so or 200, depending upon how you count those. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a prequel to Double up the the bingo. No, uh, it's not. It's a, it's a prequel to one of my flipper games. But uh, anyway, yeah, more in time. Okay, you um, tease. Well, until then, should we sign off? I think so. Okay. Uh, good to talk with you, Ryan. And, uh, you too, Nick. Don it's nice to be back. Yeah. Don, we missed you. Uh, if you would like to find us on the web, we're at playdatepodcast.com uh, and we have a Discord. Check it out. Uh, we hang out and we talk about games uh, and my poor memory sometimes. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can email us at helloplaydatepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at helloplaydate. Uh, and you can, you can also... call us on the boop line at 724-BINGOS1. <laughs> That's 724-246-4671. All right. Uh, and... <laughs> Don't all write me, Nick Baldridge. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. Nick, good to see you.
Bye-bye, everyone.